TV, like I was saying, is so fast paced is that that's how I feel like everything needs to be cut. But with storytelling, when you've got the time to do it, you can slow down and be, take the time to really hone in a point or take a moment to pause so that your audience can sort of go, okay, there's something important going on here. Welcome to episode 193 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from inspirational people to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. I've been involved in video production for nearly 20 years and audio production for five years, over which time I've learnt and continue to learn techniques to help craft story. My primary role, however, is not in video editing. It's in marketing and storytelling. But through this experience, I'm absolutely aware of and believe in the power of good editing to help tell a compelling story. Alex Plisko is an experienced video editor currently working for the Nine Network in South Australia, editing the nightly news. So if anyone knows how to tell a story that quickly engages attention, it's Alex. He is now also branching into podcasting and is soon to launch his first podcast, Trailer Island. In this episode of Be The Drop, Alex talks about his new audio editing tool, the Roadcaster Pro, which is helping him kickstart his journey into podcasting. He also shares a range of insights into audio versus video editing and how beginner editors need to feel comfortable about making mistakes. This is Alex's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me on our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> Then. So you've brought your item of significance along and I am really excited to get to know more about the Roadcaster Pro. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool bit of gig, uh, kit here. You know, it, it's recording this reasonably well so far. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to listen back to it, but, you know, I hate the sound of my own voice, but I'll live with it. Yeah. So tell me, explain why you've brought this along and, you know, that just gives a little bit of context about you before we jump into the interview. Sure. So what I've brought along is a Rodecaster Pro. It's a new product that Rode have brought out that really brings podcasting into a, you know, an all-in-one package. Um, and for me, I purchased this because I felt like it really met my needs as a content producer to really sort of bring everything together in one tiny little package that really, you know, I'm a video editor by trade. If I can reduce the amount of editing I need to do, then that's fantastic. Because you've brought this along, it's a really great opportunity um, for us to explain to 
listeners and potentially people who are interested in the podcast are pro. Um, I've never seen one myself before, so I'm very excited to have a go, but we thought we might take this opportunity to explain how, what it is, how it works, and actually test out some of the features. Well, I think having four inputs, it's light, it's nice and easy to carry around. There's from when it first was released to now they've updated the firmware quite a few times. So we've got a lot of different options now that we can play with. Um, it's certainly a lot more in depth now as well, which is kind of cool. Um, I mean, at, at a, as a start, it basically records to dual stereo, you know, it works perfectly fine like that. But if you want, you can set it so that the micro SD, which is plugged in the back here, can record each individual channel separately as well. So if you're doing a lot of stuff in post, you can really adjust all those different levels. So we've got four main mic inputs, all XLR on the back. We've got a USB input. So if you're plugging in your laptop, you can play anything through it. If you've got songs or anything like that, got a mobile phone input, which is, I think, just an auxiliary input on the back. Again, just another source of playing songs or if you want to do phone interviews as well. And you can also connect any Bluetooth device, which I guess would just be a phone anyway. So it's got a companion app that comes, uh, if you've got a laptop, you can plug into it, have it in there plugged in live. So if you are recording something and you can record it via USB to the laptop at the same time, so whatever software you've got, you can record it into that. You can update what sounds you've got on there. You can have multiple banks mm. per podcast. So if you've got more than eight sounds, you can just switch through yeah. the banks and change whatever you're doing. So um, I think you know, there's a lot going on. It's very cool. I like it. Mm. But I don't come from an editing background. So I wonder if perhaps this appeals to you because of your editing background. Do you think so? Yeah, I think, well, in a way, it sort of reduces the amount yeah. of editing that you have to do, which is kind of nice. If you can really nail yeah, it. You in, understand the detail. Yeah. <laughs> the time requirement of editing. You're like, I need to make it I easier. I do. <laughs> I do. So, I mean, for me, having it all in there and ready to go as one source, you're not bringing in different things. It's all in one project. So from an editing perspective, if I'm bringing it back to my laptop or doing whatever I need to do, if we've decided to record it in stereo, I've just got stereo tracks and that's it. But if I know that I'm doing something a little bit more complicated, I can set it to record each channel individually, bring it into my software. I know that it's still recording a stereo if I'm just happy with it, but um, we can go through it and really tweak things if I feel like it needs to be done. Um, you can also set this to be recording, um, say you've got three guests, so there's four of you in total, and you're working different things with the mics where you're trying to, you're just adjusting levels as you go. You might drop one, someone out for a minute, um, but the road itself will be recording that channel at line level at all times. So if they do say something and you haven't got the mic up in time, it's still on the recording. Fantastic. So you can do little things like that. Um, I know that they've updated it so that when you do a phone interview with someone, so you can do it via Bluetooth, um, the person on the other end on the phone has a, what's called a mixed minus signal. So they hear everything but themselves. So they can be talking to all four of your guests or three of your guests and you at the same time and not hear themselves. And I'm sure you've been on a phone call before where you hear yourself back mm. and it just completely throws you out. Yeah. So this is what, you know, that's one of the funky things that this can do. And even if you as the host on Channel 1, Channel 1 has a few extra things that it can do where... You can hit a few buttons and be able to talk to that person on the phone while your other guests are still talking. You can have a quick chat to them, go, hey, 
you're, we're about to go live with you now mm. and that won't go into the recording, hit a few more buttons and bang, they're live. Well, that, I mean, to me, that really sounds like a radio broadcast sort of setup. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you were running a small little studio from home or out in the field, if you've been assigned a, to go and do something out in the field, this is something you could go in, plug and play. Even if you've got an audience live, it has outputs on the back to us. So you can plug into a PA and you're bang, ready to go. Mm. So yeah. but for a beginner podcaster do you think this might be too much sort of intimidating do you think people really need to have some experience beforehand it is also a bit more expensive so it is where would like what are your thoughts on that as getting started you know with this sort of gear or should they start with some other stuff first i think that if you are really getting started this has advantages and disadvantages it is super easy to use i've found that you can just plug in and play. I mean, we had a few sort of little hiccups this morning trying to work out what our mics needed to do, but now that we've got it up and running, it's recording, it's going, it's happy. Um, disadvantage being that if you really are new to it and you sort of haven't got around a board before, you might be sort of intimidated by the sort of things that it needs to do. Um, and the cost is also another op, you know, another thing um, where you could get into podcasting very easily and very cheaply. Um, but for this, reasonably experienced with it, something that I want as a one-stop shop and went with that. So, And plus it's a tax deduction next year, which is great. Yeah, yeah. so which is if you're just starting off, I mean, even you can use your phone and, say, a Rode lapel mic at $79 and just yeah. record an app through Absolutely. your phone. I mean, the sound quality is not, not going to be of this level. But if you're not sure if you're going to do it long term, I suppose that could be an easy way to start. But this is definitely exciting yeah, to have I, a go with. Oh, absolutely. I think another, because it does so much for you, I think if you're just getting into it, it can be sort of a, it might slow you down in the future because it does so much for you already. You don't sort of understand what it is doing. So if you, it's so, I think it would be good to sort of work your way up to it to sort of understand, okay, what is my recording, like what, you know, what are different levels? What are all those things? What's the actual editing required to make something come together? So because it is a one-stop shop, it is, you know, it sort of does a lot of lot for you already. So it can get a little bit, um, make it a bit easy and you might not learn as much as you might need to. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, you mentioned that us just setting it up, we we're playing around and having to replug in a few different things. I think because we've got experience, mm. that was like, we were just like, oh, well, we just need to try a few more things. Yeah. But I think back to when I first started working with audio, which, you know, is not as you've been doing, you know, audio and video and editing for a mm. lot longer. So, you know, I just remember being quite intimidated by the all the gear yeah. that yeah. was required. I just, I was like, oh my gosh. And for both video and audio, and obviously you have that video audio background as well. So I, yep. yeah, for, certainly for me as a non sort of tech gear person, you know, I, my phone is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did find that intimidating, but this looks great. And because I've had that experience, I think I could engage with it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Mm. So, um, anyway, let's let's ask some more. Let's chat a bit more about editing. You mentioned that people might not learn along the way if they're using something like the Roadcaster because it's doing some of this for them. Yeah. What are some of those things? So I would say that it's able to. You can do it physically on the desk where you can get the levels where you want them to be, and yes, you can do that with a smaller recording device. But I feel like, on an editing perspective, you really need to. When you're working on a project, you get in there and you really understand what levels are and what they're doing. So 
everything should sound right. Everything should sound the right level. You shouldn't, as a listener, you shouldn't expect your audience to be having to turn something up or down to the thing that they're listening to. They should be able to set it to the level they like and everything should sound the same. Now, with this here, it can do a lot of it already in there for you. Um, I might take it back to a piece of editing software, check, okay, I know that we were quite loud in this one bit, I might need to adjust that. Um, I'm not happy with the compression levels, I'm gonna play with that in the editing software. Um, this is something that we can get into all of that before we even start recording. But with, the, with editing and understanding that, you can really sort of get stuck into it and understand all of those things first. Um, so particularly when you're working with different levels, um, if you're adding music or grabs and all those sorts of things, if you don't already know what they should be, it's through an editing piece of software, you can really play with it and spend the time to understand how things sound compared against each other. Um, whereas jumping into this, you might, it might all be a bit too late. And it's really interesting because I think we're just, you know, used to hearing the, you know, sounds and, and listening, you know, and not really consciously taking in or thinking about how mm. those sounds are coming to us and breaking down and understanding, looking at those waveforms yep. and seeing what's happening. Um, but it can also be a really useful, um, you know, having the waveform there can be also really useful for editing as far as where you're going to cut and how to, you know, how you're going to play around with those cuts and yeah. moving the audio around in your timeline. Yeah, like I know that if, say when I'm cutting news, for example, with news, it is super fast. It's got to be as, get as much of the story through as you can, as quick as you can in a easy to watch format and listen to. And with us, audio is super important. Um, so everything has to be that right level because, again, people at home with their TVs, they need to be able to not be turning it up and down and go, what was that? Um, they need to hear what we're talking about. And even with say we've got someone who was at an incident, they've seen something and they talk about it and we want to use that grab it. There's lots of sort of arms and ahs and pauses. So with the power of editing, you can sort of go in there and remove that stuff and make it a lot more accessible to someone. So they're not sort of having to wait for hearing, you know, wait to hear the information. You can get in there, cut straight to it, cut out their arms and ahs. With TV, we're lucky that if we've got enough vision, we can cover that up so we can still get a, get the point across and get the visual point across at the same time. Um, and with when it comes to audio editing as well, you've got the opportunity to do that. So if you can understand just the basic editing techniques of removing dead air, then your story or whatever you're doing, your production is going to be just punchier and more you know, interesting to listen to. Mm, yeah. 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 So, and you touched on then, you know, that you've come from a background of editing for news. Mm -hmm. uh, so you work for Channel 9 and you edit the nightly news. Yep. So what do you think, you know, from that editing skills and, pro, you know, from that editing experience, you know, what are the key things that you'll take into editing with podcasts? For me, I think there is, there's a few different things that sort of translate, but also I think have, has the risk to catch me out because TV, like I was saying, is so fast paced is that that's how I feel like everything needs to be cut. But with storytelling, when you've got the time to do it, you can slow down and be, take the time to really hone in a point or take a moment to pause so that your audience can sort of go, okay, there's something important going on here. And that's something that I'm aware of 
but whether I can consciously change the way I uh, work with something is going is a challenge for me. And I think for podcasting, because there are no rules with how long something has to be, you can be as long or as short as you want it to be. I think understanding your audience certainly affects how long it should be. Um, but no one's sitting in the room or has written a book saying, no, you can't run it for more than 20 minutes or, you know, it has to be at least five minutes. It doesn't matter. Um, it can be what you want it to be. Um, so with an understanding of news and that sort of background, um, I think it's just taking the time to appreciate what you've got. Um, you don't have to get rid of as much as we do in news. Like we might get rid of 95% of what's actually in the can. Why is it that you think podcasting has that ability to go further, to to give more voice, you know, to really reach people in different ways? Well, I think being able to, like I was saying before, take the time to tell a story, um, it's accessible in a different way as well. You know, if you're driving your car, you can't watch something on your phone, but you can listen to it. You've got the time. You can invest the time in if you're in traffic and you're in the car for 20, 30 minutes, if it's something that you can put on where you don't want to listen to radio, you want to listen to a conversation, it's something that you can, you know, it's catered to an audience and you go, okay, I want to be that audience. It's your choice to listen to that. Um, if you're the producer of that content, you make it available as much as you can so that whoever, you know, your audience, if they're on a particular app or whatever it may be, it's accessible to them. Um, I think it's just, it's more consumable in that way. Someone can choose when they want to listen to that. With TV, for us, it's 6 p.m. every night. That's when you can watch us. You can watch a bit afterwards as well if you're, you know, if the particular thing happens to be uploaded online. Um, but with this, I think the accessibility of listening to audio on your personal device is, um, is a real advantage. Um, you know, TV is, you know, they are trying to, I think they're sort of following the audio um, form of, being so accessible, I think it's taken a while for video to sort of catch up to that, and it is massive now still. Um, but audio, I don't know, I just feel like it's you can listen to something and and still be doing something. You can sort of do things while you're listening and sort of absorbing that, whereas if you're watching something, you are stuck doing that one thing. Mm. You'd be walking the dog. Yeah, and, you know, if you're <laughs> walking the dishes. dog and watching something and looking down and... <laughs> you know, next minute you've walked onto a road. Um, you know, with audio, you can put it on. It's sort of like, you know, it's like you put music on and you just sort of enjoy what you're doing and connecting with something at the same time. Mm. Um, I don't know, I think it's just nice. Yeah. It's, it's like, like today, you know, with the rain, it's like, it's just nice to be able to hear something going on. I can still go and do the dishes. It doesn't make me stop and stare at the rain. Um, um, I want to swing back to editing as well because um, I was just thinking as well, like as far as editing, if you had to give people some editing tips, like, a, you know, we talk, you've talked technically about the levels. Mm -hmm. What about the story and editing the story? Now, I imagine that, you know, having to edit new stories and really cut down to the key bits, mm. you're quite adept at like really identifying story components. Yep. If you tried to explain that to someone, how, how would you do that? How to tell a story? Well, yeah, and, and, and what is it from an editing perspective that really, you know, helps deliver content in a powerful way through the way that it's been edited? Sure. A lot of it is how you pace it with what you're showing. 
um, in a TV medium, you've only got maybe at max 90 seconds to tell a story. So a lot of the time we need to push as much as we can in there. Um, the challenge is you need to still be able to tell the story. So you can't have a shot every second because it's not going to, it's just going to, you can't look at it. Um, you need to start with the stuff that really engages with the story directly. What is the best shot that tells me the story of what's happened? Um, if we're at a, say, a house fire, for example, we will find the best stuff to tell the story of how this is impacting the situation. So um, quite often it might be someone's phone video. It might look terrible. We might go, well, that's very poor quality, but that's the image that tells the story. Um, it might be a bit of grainy CCTV of something happening. And so often I've put stuff to where where the original vision that we've got is a big wide open shot and I've put a, a, a such a big zoom on this bit of vision um, that it looks like a grainy mess, but it is the incident that happened that we're talking about directly. So um, you can have the big, wide, beautiful moving shots, but if it doesn't tell the story, it's not gonna do its job. Um, and for me with TV news, you know, the shots, do, it does move along quite quickly, um, but sometimes I do like to let it breathe and like might let a shot go for you know six, seven, eight seconds. And you think, well, that's not very long, but in TV world, that's a long time. Um, and in terms of techniques, like if we're moving between different scenes and locations and stuff, you might do things like using crossfades to sort of just soften the transition between things and people sort of understand, okay, we're moving somewhere else now. Um, or even just, you know, it takes a little while to get an eye for it, but you just understand how a shot sort of breathes and moves between moments. Um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, it's a really good question because it can be so, it can be easy to explain from like, you know, this, a technique perspective, but it can be really hard to explain from a feeling perspective. Mm. And if the shot, if it feels right, then it probably is right. I would often go more over... Um, feeling over than technicality. I mean, there are times when you have to go, okay, technically speaking, I need to cut it this way. But how do I feel or, you know, what are my emotions about how this looks? Um, you know, if we've got people at a scene at a scene who are upset or happy or whatever it may be, you want to connect with that moment. If you only show them for two seconds, then it's like, well, you know, what does that mean? Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah and... I feel bad because I'm talking more about negative moments so often because you know, quite often that is the sort of stuff that we do cover um, and that can be really challenging sometimes. Um, but, yeah, from to, to cut a story, I think if you can sort of, if it feels right, then it probably is right. And you don't need Ubute amazing software to do it. If you're starting out with your editing, audio or video, whatever it may be, is just understanding how your story moves along visually. Change things, try things, do well, fail. You're going to do all of that. Um, you know, I've made mistakes that have gone to where and, you know, 100,000 people have seen that. <laughs> but you've got to keep moving on to the next day. You've just got to keep going on. You know, you can't dwell on that sort of stuff. And you are going to make mistakes. Things going to, stuff's going to look bad. Um, you're going to get vision back. If you're not the one shooting it, you're going to get stuff and you have to, you've you've got what you need to cut with. You know, that's it. You don't have any other options because um, the next day it's something else. Um, mm. I mean, I cut something the other day that was 80% phone vision 
the Port Lincoln flooding that happened the other day. You know, everybody was filming it on their phones, uploading it to Snapchat, and we were able to access all of that information. And you have to cut stuff with vision that's coming in that's all in different portrait mode, landscape mode, and visually trying to put all that together. Um, it may look a bit of a mess because you're going from different qualities, but it's the stuff that tells the story and mm. you use it and it works. Mm. And quite often if you're using phone vision, it actually can connect a bit closer with something because it's not something that's been shot on a news camera. It's someone who's there at the time and people now really sort of understand that phones are, you know, they are a camera device. They can shoot amazing video now. Um, some of the vision we get back is absolutely atrocious, but if you've got a producer who's telling you, yep, no, that's what we're using, then you've got to use it and make it work to tell your story. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining me today. I've really enjoyed getting to firsthand experience the Roadcaster Pro um, and also hear a bit more about your editing experiences. But in conclusion, you're not quite off the hook yet. Mm-hmm. Can you share with me Alex's be the drop tip? So that's your top tip for communicating in a way that motivates and inspires others. I think if you can look at something and feel that it's right, feel what it feels like on the inside, does it feel right in my heart, does it feel right in my head, then it's probably right. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.